exactly. That's all I want to do. Anyway, welcome to the Vortex podcast. I'm very happy to be setting up a series. I'm Oliver Windling, I'm the director of the Vortex, to set up a series where I talk to people who organise jazz in different places. And today I have the pleasure of being in Schwarz, which is the Silver City, but I'm in the home of brass. Yes. <laughs> and with the King of Brass. Exactly. And But I'm talking, which is Franz Huckle, but I'm talking to the Crown Prince of Brass. Yeah. <laughs> in, the tra- in the trumpet factory yeah. of the Huckle. So, Franz, Franz, tell me a bit about yourself. Tell me what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Why am I here? <laughs> you tell me a little bit, and then we'll see how it goes. Well, you know, you're here because through mutual friends, I know that you're a wonderful person and do a lot for, for, for jazz. And I think it's one of the things, the network of all people who love jazz. You know, it, 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 it's great if you're a journalist, organizer, musician. So this is why you're here. And uh, what I'm doing since 1990, I live in New York City. I'm born here in, in the heart of the Alps. And, you know, in, in Tyrol, it's a big tradition to play brass music. We have like 270 villages. You know, there are probably 700,000 people, and we have 300 brass bands with, with an average strength of 50 wow. members. So you can say probably, you know, uh, it's a lot. It's like, and, you know, some of them are woodwinds and, and, and drums, but we for sure have like 20,000 brass players who, who would play regularly, meaning have a rehearsal a week or two rehearsals, you know. So it comes out from a big tradition, and my father, besides making wonderful horns, and, and since 1965 he was a soloist with uh, uh, the, the, the military band and composers wrote solo concertos for him. So I grew out of that tradition. But, but also in Schwarz there is a, a, a we call it, the Hermitage, it's a cafe, and there uh, pretty much all the big jazz stars played there because Thomas Tovisant, who was involved with ECM, you know, yeah. back in the day, yeah. he booked actually, which is a very smart, from Manfred Eiche, was, I think, a very smart idea when they booked a band to record, you know, they would send them on a tour, organize it, and then they go to the recording studio because... It's wonderful, you know. Yeah. After you yeah. did a lot of live concerts, you uh, and but but later, uh, Thomas uh, created his own company, and and he had his office here in Schwarz. So uh, the Hermitage has probably 50 seats, 60 seats. So it's really small. And I, when I was a teenager, 17, 16, 17, 18 years, I saw the like Chick Corea, Beth Metheny, you know, Hermeto Pascal. You name it, Randy Bracker. So really the biggest name in, yeah. names in jazz. And to hear them in Europe in such a small cafe is very unique because normally, you know, you only hear them, these kind of stars in, in at festivals or in big clubs. So being a trumpet player and, and I played, you know, trumpet players will know, you know, we have all the album, you know, like the virtuoso stuff, what you do. So yeah. and, 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 I, and I was for my age pretty advanced. But then, you know, uh, very often you, you, you can learn from everybody. And, and for me, a key moment was, um, you know, I went once to a party and the guys knew, you know, that I'm a pretty good trumpet player, but I only did classical stuff. So, you know, they turned on the radio and said, Franz, you know, you're, you're a great trumpet player, play along with it. And I thought, oh shoot, I can't do that. 
yeah. I need music in front of me and I can't communicate because yeah. you know without paper in, in, in front of me and, and then I thought you know um, I want to become a jazz musician and, and, and they all learned it because this is like the way how you have a conversation with a human being uh, you should be have you should have the same uh, freedom and ability on stage and you know and, and then I started to frequently go to these jazz concerts and I was just amazed I got goosebumps and yeah yeah so uh, you know I finished my high school then, uh, then I did study there for, um, for semesters philosophy and and, and, and musicology and I, I did learn the trade uh, to become a brass instrument maker but the uh, in Austria, because there are not so many musical instrument makers there, the Berufsschule, the trade school, you know, like every year I had to go for two months to trade uh, to school, it was only in Vienna. So all the piano makers, brass instrument woodwinds were there. And uh, since, you know, my dad, uh, when I was an apprentice or started with him, he immediately, you know, showed me all the real stuff. Not, not like, I guess, if you. You know, so, you know. Uh, so I, I learned, I learned fast, and I had had the best person to learn from. So uh, when I was in Vienna, I had plenty of times because it was not that challenging. You know, the grade school. So I did, I did, I did hang out, met uh, Bumi Fian and some guys from Vienna Art Orchestra, and, and then Bumi said, "You know, Franz, you know, there's nobody like this in your age group here in Vienna. Why don't you, you know?" study jazz or do that you know so then I asked my dad because I, I finished instead of three and a half years I did the grade school in two years uh, and then I asked my parents I said listen you know I'm one year faster there can I try it for a year so then I did my audition at the conservatory in Vienna I got in and then pretty soon uh, I already started to play some professional gigs and uh, finished, I graduated from, from, from Vienna, the Conservatory of Vienna uh, in, in, in three years, also a little bit faster. But then I really thought, if you wanna, everybody's different. There are great musicians who don't have to go abroad, but I just felt like I have so much more to learn. And after my studies, uh, I thought I really wanna go to New York because uh, yeah, I thought I, I don't want to have a midlife crisis, and I think I'm successful because I'm now 53. Yeah. I didn't have a midlife crisis yet. Right. <laughs> so I thought it, it's a very smart move that at an early age you go there where, where there's the most competition and where it's played at the highest level. Mm -hmm. It's better to find out in your early 20s where you're standing. And, and I, really, I wanted to study with Lou Soloff, and this is one of my best decisions in my life because we came, became good friends, very good friends. And he would send me, you know, as a substitute when he couldn't do a gig. And, and basically, that was for me a nice welcome into the New York scene. And, and I never thought that I would stay in New York. In my head, I never, I, I didn't immigrate to the States. <laughs> uh, it's just 30 years now, you know. I mean, um, things develop nicely and, and I'm just there where I feel I can contribute the most. Yeah. And, and, and one of the things is I never for, forget my roots and, and my parents' house and everything. So every year uh, in summer, I want to bring back some of the New York vibe 
to my town and at the same time create a creative platform of, of, for musicians. So this is basically a festival by a musician for musicians. Yes. And, and every it's a big difference and also academy and festival is of the same importance it's of equal importance uh, three weeks of academy with for example this time 35 uh, 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 different classes and segments uh, and, and and the weekend of festival but even after festival we always have our own productions so we don't you know we, we, we put ensemble or, or uh, every year create an idea a festival theme, yeah. and based on that, we create our own projects and, yeah. and rehearse for a week on, on location. So that was that was why you you started running the festival as well. And how do you feel? How does that link into your many sidedness, being a, being a, an organizer? Do you find that as creative as playing the trumpet or different? Oh yeah, or, I mean the biggest. Or help thing, each other, or yeah, you know, uh, I would say of course it comes with quite a bit of headache. Not for the musician side, but just you know, organization to raise the money to get all the you know licenses or whatever. Especially now, and they're allowed allowed to do it. But uh, it is definitely creative, and it's just you know what we hear right now in the background is just to to enable. Uh, there are not enough opportunities uh, for for musicians to perform jazz yeah. under professional circumstances and and when okay fees are paid. So. One approach is really very active because I think there are not enough great gigs and, and creative gigs for, for jazz musicians. But you know, instead of complaining, just do it yourself. You know, you can't contribute to that, create some of that. That's a part of it. And I really, especially in the, in the project which I create, you know, it's always nice when you think, oh, I think I really want to hear this musician with, with that one. You know, and and I love that. I think it's as creative. And and one of my uh, uh, major inspirations to do that is also I found it such a big waste of potential and, and greatness in, in artistic talent. It was always a big waste when, when you when you in the festival touring circle. Very often, most of the musicians stay in the same hotel, and you know, then you have like 70 great musicians in a hotel, but they don't really do stuff together. Yeah, which is, I think, crazy. You know, uh, I mean, you, the only thing what they would do together if there's like an all-star thing, which most of the time, you know, yeah. it, it's it's not that deep artistically because it's just thrown together super fast. Has um, has it made a difference for the rest of the year? Has it created a, de a desire for people, I mean, even when you're not here, for there to be more jazz going on? Is there a momentum in this area uh, for jazz? I mean, you know, we have interesting, uh, there's an Innsbrucker club, Treibhaus, you know, they do for many years also very interesting program, and I think also for over 40 years. I think there's in, in there's a momentum because always more, and, and this is actually, but not only in Tirol, academia creates more and more jazz musicians, but they fail to create more jobs for them. Yes, yes. You know, so they're, they're, I think it's a fair statement. There were never, there were never as many good jazz musicians as there are now, but uh, uh, the whole network has to grow. Not only, sure. uh, not not only uh, academia. You produce and produce and produce, and very often it's also not not fair if you don't give them the tools. How to make a living? How to make yeah. a living with your art? You know. Yeah. So there, there, there is some momentum, and also 
we have a lot, uh, you know, as a young musician, uh, Hannes Riebler took part. Uh, I think I, I can look back now. I have a pretty uh, impressive list of musicians who, who were really young, or some of them even started at my academy, and, and then are really great uh, musicians. And I think this, this is a, co a contribution, definitely. And the other momentum is also, for example, my co-director, Clemens Rofner, is really a big help and, and he has a great artistic mind. So what I would do, I always bring new young people in and it's also very important, you know, for programming because obviously every generation, you know, we all have different kinds of ears and, and, and different connections. So in, in, in that sense, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm contributed, mm. you know, but of course... I mean, it's a... I always there are several things I always find so fascinating how it's people like yourself who bring yeah. a momentum to what's relatively a small town. Yes, <laughs> you know, I mean, as I said, naturally, but thank God there is someone like you. But I'm thinking of um, uh, also uh, someone who did a lot of the summer schools. We had a lot of contact with Peter Herbert. Oh yeah, Peter Herbert is great. Yeah. And he he did a lot in he's done a lot in London, mm -hmm. but isn't it because he for many years had his, his, his summer school in in Salzburg. Mm -hmm. And actually, a lot of London musicians went there. Yes, yeah. Um, because there was also a pianist, Hugh Warren, was teaching there a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was, in fact, in touch with one of the bass players yesterday. And he said, I said, I was here. He Great. said, well, who are you listening to? So I said, Matthias Pichler. Yeah. He said, oh, he said, well, my old friend. And this guy, yeah. Hugh Williams, who's from yeah, North yeah, Wales. Yeah, yeah. They, know, they, they, they know each other so well. But, I mean, so do you... And how easy is it to get the, the support? Is the, is the town support? Where do you get your main support to run the festival? Uh, is it from the, the region or is it from yeah. the town? Or? Uh, you know, uh, you know, I get it all over, but you have to get it all over because nobody gives a huge amount, you know. Uh, I have to say this. Even though I do it now for 28 years, uh, there's always some kind of arguments going on with the city. You know, at the end we come together. You know, it's not super easy, but I go for the challenge. You know, at at the end, uh, uh, things are a little bit more complicated. It could be more supportive. Uh, at the end, it's always okay, but. Uh, um, you know, I just thought, you know, after 28 years, you shouldn't have to prove yourself every year. You know, almost start fresh. You know? <laughs> yes. so, but that's what we call like politics, you know. And um, the biggest supporter and the easiest one is is the, the biggest supporter which you really can count on is is the state of yeah. Tyrol. And yeah, it's interesting enough, enough even though it's it's a it's a coalition, but it, it's uh, the conservatives, but the governor Günter uh, Platter. Uh, always is a, a big fan of outreach and, and I can count on him which is a big help, you know. And they basically they they give they're the main supporters. Um, and then of course the, the you know Vienna gives something and then I have a, 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 a insurance group, I have a bank, you know. My, my 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 accountant. So yeah. we, we, I have a lot of I have a lot of sponsors to to uh, uh, create that. You and know. it's very nice you have the radio comes and really Oh, yeah, yeah, the OF is a big supporter, and, and Andreas Felber, and even before, uh, uh, um, it's, yeah, and it's, it's, it's great because they do a world class recording uh, uh, quality.
quality, you know, and, and it, it's a pleasure. And, and these days, it's not, it's not a given, you know. With, oh no, no, the BBC has nearly stopped yeah. live recording. We don't get. We might be more. There's more chance of having a concert from Outreach now on the BBC yeah, yeah. than there is a, of yeah. a concert from London. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so uh, good, um, good for them, you know. But how do you keep, and when you're away in New York, how do you keep in touch with how the scene is developing here in Tyrol and the young musicians? How do you find out about them? Uh, when, I said, when you're not, when you're not here, do they? Do do people keep? How does the, the message yeah, system I mean, work? They, they, you know, of course, I get many email, a lot of emails, which is kind of difficult for me. And and they always tell people, if I don't answer, you know, don't see it as an insult, you know, because yeah. for me, my main career is I don't. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not on a payroll, I don't have an office, I do this literally on the side. And I just, ref- I, I could answer just requests for musicians, it, it would take me probably three, four hours every day. Oh, yeah, yes, you know? we all know that, yeah. yeah. And, and I just can't, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, but to hear about that, it's just a great network because I, I know a lot of musicians who I trust and they would tell me, man, check them out, this is a great band, or what I said before, with uh, Clemens Rofner, which is, you know... He's a and young, he's, here, he's here... He lives or? in Vienna and, and Tyrol, so I, I have my guys, and I, and I keep... And a lot of my former guys who started to study at the Academy are now established musicians, you know, and, and I'm, I'm always in, in touch with them. So it's, that, that's actually fairly easy. And it's fairly easy in that sense because there's much more interesting stuff going on as such, and I'm able to do. Mm. So the easiest... Yes, it's it's not a problem at all to book a very interesting program. Do you feel that the way that musicians they do play here is different to what you hear in New York and how you oh, play yeah. in New York? Yeah, I mean I have a lot of New York influenced guys here, New Yorkers, yeah. not this year. Yeah, uh, of course there is. There's a certain sense of urgency in a good way with New York guys, and and it's a hundred percent commitment you you make it happen no question asked I mean one of the beautiful things with New York City is which is not so much in Europe uh, in New York City you can play all kinds of gigs yeah you play the really well paid big gigs and if you do a little BS gig in, in a cell of a little money it doesn't destroy your career no, no. I, I, I think it's it's a little bit more uh, or at least musicians are more aware of rightfully or not uh, um, in New York, you would be amazed. I mean, yeah. the biggest stars, are if, if they like to even do, if they're interested, do the little underground yeah, yeah, gigs, yeah, yeah. and then next day, or they do a big concert. That's right, that's right. We see that in London too. Yeah. But it's um, not so much in, yeah. in, in, in Austria and Germany. No, no. Um, Berlin, I think, was probably the the exception, isn't it? Which is that has that going. Yeah. Um, the other, another, the fascinating thing is how the concerts are structured. Yeah. At the moment, where it's like little three times three you have almost yes. like nine miniatures from each yeah, band yeah, yeah. and they have a break to uh, redevelop yeah. and whatever how did you how did you develop how do you think it works and how have you done uh, this was you, you know it's, it's like the fight with authorities that they're just able to do it with all the restrictions with corona cost covid and basically uh, i just first you know they cancelled it many times and then they got finally the okay for the festival I mean, the first thing what what it, what I asked, what I proposed, I do a concert in our showroom because the showroom has a big window, has not even an entrance in yes. front. So I thought, listen, that's the safest Corona stage. So 
unless you really mean you, you can't really forbid doing that because yeah. that's super safe. It doesn't get safer than that. And then when I got the okay for that, then they granted me that I can do one concert, a festival day. And then I just told him, but you listen what the definition of a festival is. It's more than one concert. Yeah. And there's, well, but you can't have an intermission. I said, beautiful, I put three bands on stage. They don't leave the stage, no intermission, three times 50 minutes, that's 150 minutes, two and a, two and a half hours. Yes? Yes. So, And I think artistically it works really well because when you watch the musicians, at the beginning they just listen. Then after the second cycle, they start to applaud each other. And after the third cycle, they high five each other. And it's almost like every musician after a gig, when he plays it, he thinks about that. How did it go? And here it's almost like you're in a time machine, you're able to freeze after a third. And yeah. you hear another band and you rethink what you do. And, and so did, did, did that affect how you programmed the, the nights? Or did you just pick three bands a night? Or have no, you no. Now, are you now going to... Do you think you might continue that system even I, after I think, the end of the COVID? I think it will continue because I think artistically it works really well. And it kind of also same. I'm a big, I'm a big uh, uh, proponent of, of use the talent to the maximum, you know. And what I said before that at festivals, you know, if you live in the same hotel, you don't really do something mm. together. And the other rea reality at festivals is that uh, people, a lot of guys, just show up for their gig. And then, and then they leave. They listen to, they, they yeah. say you've got it, you've got everyone to listen to and each other's Therefore, they're kind of forced. <laughs> well, that's not a bad. I mean, I think it's 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 a great buy. Uh, it's a very good buy product, and and they definitely play different, you know. And I think also for the audience, they have to understand that music is a wide open field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and and I did this for for, for programming because uh, I think it's just nice. Like yesterday. You know, you know, with when Matthias Bierler and Dennis Brandner, this great saxophone acoustic bass tour, and I'm just talking about a, a, a general audience. If somebody listens to that for an hour, some of them, a general audience, might probably get tired. You know, yeah, yeah, you, yes, you know, yes. because you get used to that. But it's just beautiful when then uh, Robert Riegler uh, uh, plays this small electric fusion band, his yes. own style, yeah, yeah. and then after that. To just hear acoustic bass and saxophone is just wow, you know. Yeah. And 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 so I, I think it it I, I will keep it. Yes. You're actually developing almost like a menu. You've got the little oh yeah yeah it's yeah, a yeah, moose girl three in the course. middle and three course, and you actually can have the little sets, the little the smaller size, which have the lovely intensity. No, I think there's a very uh, and and to think more about it. And even it's it's also interesting um, because I ask all the artists that we do a run through after sound check. And this is very often the first time that the musicians hear the other musicians. Yeah, yeah. And then, in these three hours where the sound check ends and the gig already, the brain is working. And, and they all yeah, play yeah, no, I think it's a very... I, I like that idea that makes the musicians listen because the number of musicians who do their gigs, I know at festivals, and then they, yeah, exactly. they say, I've done it. And they don't want to listen before because they want to... Yeah, but they've got to build themselves. And they have to think, adapt. Yeah. And maybe they'll do more listening future before, of course, they play. Yeah. Because they have to plan. You can say when you're planning your gig, exactly. you have to know what you're on before and exactly. after. So, you know, you can't just exactly. do in, independent. And we are about planning. You I must have go. to go. Well, that's but, great. We've had a good... And if there's any more, we can talk again yeah, next we also, or, week. Or in the, in next week or, or after the concert. Or after feel, the feel, concert. You know, so feel free to one. grab me. You know. end, end of part one. Thank part you very one, much. Yeah, thank you.